We are going to be in Isaiah chapter 54. Comes right after verse or chapter 53. <clears throat> now I am not as cool as Brother Seth, who spoke last week. I own a Greek Bible, and I still have my Greek dictionary, but I cannot recite all the Greek like he does. God bless him. He did a wonderful job last week. If you were not here, you need to look that up and, uh, and listen to that on the church's website. Um, that was just wonderful. And we are going to be in Isaiah chapter 54, <clears throat> starting off in verse uh, 6. <clears throat> and we're going to read through, and then we'll come back. <clears throat> Pardon me. I love when stuff is pollinating, I'll tell you what. All right, here we go. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 6. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Let us pray. Father God, as we come before you today, we ask that you grant, uh, grant the words that people need to hear, grant the words I need to hear, that uh, we may uh, listen to those and take those to heart and go out of here more aware of who you are and what you want in our lives, Father. Thank you for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. As I was looking um, at these verses and uh, Brian was asking me to speak, and I thought uh, uh, the title would be uh, the, the Love of God, you know, because as, as I work at the bank and work with other people right now, there's, there's a lot of lack of love. Um, there's a lot of just lack of, of sanity, it seems like, in the world. Um, between COVID and uh, everybody having to wear masks and mortgage and rent forgiveness and the economy and the world economy and, and how the world views some of this stuff, um, there's just a lot of chaos. It seems like the world could use some, a, a big brother, a, a father figure to come alongside and love on people. But it, it seems sometimes that that's the one thing that we're lacking especially in the chaos of this world, the chaos that we're going through right now. Um, so now Brian always has his big idea to really feel that love of God. I think our big idea is going to be be faithful, especially as I look at our crowd today uh, of, of, I know most of you, uh, but these are our believers. These are people with, that, that, that follow God. We need to be faithful because the world doesn't know what to be faithful to. They're just as lost and confused as they, as they can be. So that would be our big, my big idea for you, to, to be faithful. Well, how lost are they? Well, let's look here at verse 6. Let's jump right on in here to verse 6. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, forsaken, deserted, um, grieved, distressed in spirit. You know, I think about 
uh, the book of Ruth, you know, and uh, Naomi and her husband and their two sons, they go off to a foreign country because of a famine in Israel, and the sons die, the father dies, uh, the dog dies, truck breaks down, you know, it's, it's, it's a country, so it's the Israeli version of a country song right there. And it's just, it all falls apart. And really, it's Naomi and Ruth, uh, the, Naomi and, and this daughter-in-law, and that's it. Because the other daughter-in-law stays. There's no real hope. This is way before social security or welfare or anything. You know, their only real hope was to go out after, go out into the fields and vineyards after the harvest and collect. Because that was, that was the, the Jewish welfare program of the day. You would go out into the fields and collect in the corners and the grapes that were missed in the vineyard. And that, that was for you. And that was it. Ruth needed the kinsman redeemer, needed Boaz in her life. How much more today, when I think about the world, do we need that person? I, I remember uh, this week, a couple of times, we have, we've had people come up to the bank, and, and one gal was almost in tears. I forgot my mask. I can't come in. I got spares. We'll take care of you but just about in tears. Uh, and the first gal actually needed help. The second lady just needed some coin counted. I'm like, you don't even have to come in for that. We will help you out. But I mean, that's, but the, the world is so stressed out right now. They need, they feel that desertion. They feel distressed, forsaken and grieved if you get a King James. They, they, that panic has set in. The world just doesn't know what to do. And we all do a wonderful job of coasting along. Everybody looks calm in here as I look out at y'all. Everybody looks calm when they first come up to the bank, but then they forgot their mask and that panic sets in. You know, I see that time and again. We all look like we know what we're doing. Yeah, you don't. I look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't. There's all kinds of things that come up each and every day. And if it wasn't for the word of God, I'd just fall apart. But when I look at the world, that's the one thing they don't have. They are distressed, dispirited, um, deserted. A wife who married young. Young enough to not have resources to fall back on. Everybody tells me that they're doing okay. From the, sorry, from a banking perspective, everybody tells me they're, they're doing okay. Um, I've been banking for 14 years now. Um, everybody tells me they were doing great until the 2009 mortgage crisis. And then everybody's telling me, you know, I think I should have had a savings account. Yes, I believe I told you that a few years ago. And then, you know, since then we've been talking about savings and, and just putting some money aside for emergencies. I don't need that. It'll be all right. You don't pay anything on interest. Anyway. Well, I know we don't pay anything, but at least you got some set aside for emergencies. Well, that's not going to happen again. And, you know, until the 2020 pandemic and, uh, you know, it just, those things just keep coming up. And there's only so many people that pay attention. They are just like that verse mentions, a wife who married young with no resources. There's nothing to fall back on. I don't, I don't need anything. I can take care of it up myself. We're Americans. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I 
I knew what I was doing. And it's not just 2009 or 2020. There's nothing on TV. Never is. The other day we were watching some documentaries on public broadcasting about the presidents. And they got to Reagan. And they talked about 1983. There was an economic downturn. There was something else going on. And then he got shot. That's some crazy stuff going on in the U.S. You know. And we're the ones... We're the stable economy. We're the ones people are looking to for leadership. And then they, they got to Clinton a few documentaries later, and uh, they got talking about the, the Balkans and, and, uh, and, and what was going on with uh, Slobodan, Milosevic, and all that. And I, I remember, what, why do they care what we think? You know, is there no army, no, no troops between, you know, the, the Macedonia and, and New York City? Is, is there nobody between there? And I remember they did an interview. They had a clip from an interview with, with the French president at the time. Said, well, you know, the United States needs to take a lead in this. Like, what? No one can stop between there and here and pick up some supplies in Germany and some troops in France and some... Uh, medics in Spain, I mean, they had to come all the way here. But just the craziness that goes on, and people look to the United States in the craziness that's going on today. You know, here we are, 27 years from Reagan, um, you know, however many years from Clinton. Uh, I, my math is only so good, ain't it, ain't it good? I work in a bank. And, but we're so many years away from that, and, and, uh, and things are still going crazy. How do we survive? What do we do? How do I get to the love of God? We've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful. It's hard to, to be that. It's easy to say that. It's hard to get that way. Um, Debbie and I <clears throat> were unable to have children of our own. And we went through uh, fertility treatments, and that, that is just a nightmare. And... Um, we had, some, we had good doctors and, and, and people walking alongside us, and it's still a nightmare. Um, we did foster care when we lived in South Dakota, and we, we wanted to adopt a few of them, and that didn't work out. And um, We got back down to Missouri, and uh, we were um, <clears throat> working with an adoption agency, and I remember going to the, uh, they have a, a how-to-be-a-parent class, and everybody has to go, and, and it's, it's neat. Um, uh, but I remember sitting there with some parents uh, during a break, and they were all worried. You know, last year they only had so many girls show up to, to, to be a part of the program to adopt out. And like, well, what if there's not enough, you know, girls coming up? And, and we, we were joking around trying to lighten the mood. Um, but, you know, there's a quote from the Big Bang Theory, alcohol and poor judgment, you know, can lead to some different ideas about the evening. Uh, well, you know, that's kind of where we're at, hoping for alcohol and poor judgment, um, you know, at, at the college level and so forth. What a crazy way to live life, that that's going to solve my problems, alcohol and poor judgment, to build our family. That's what we're basing this on. In our life, it really took a miracle. It took being faithful, and God made that happen. That's nothing that Matt Green did. It really is a God thing. 
It may feel like we are deserted, distressed. That, that wife of, of youth, you know, who has nothing to fall back on, that it is all going to fall apart. What do I do? We have to rely on God. All right, well, let's move on here. I'm, I'm camping out too much. Uh, verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Now, by this time in the book of Isaiah, the northern kingdom is gone. <clears throat> and Isaiah's uh, kind of preaching to the remnant there and, and to the, really to the kingdom of Judah. And there's so many problems. There's so many ways that they've turned from God. There's so many ways Judah has turned from God. By this point in time, there are idols in the temple in Jerusalem. Not mean like outside, hanging out, you know, peddlers selling uh, silver deities and gold amulets and whatever. I mean, they're inside the temple. They're not inside the Holy of Holies. We don't read about that in the Scripture. But we do read about them being inside the temple. They've got different idols and shrines and everything going on. They've turned away from God. So in this moment, when Isaiah is talking to everybody, the Lord, oops, verse 7, For a brief moment I abandoned you. Verse 8, in a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. So what he's talking about there is the, the fall of the northern kingdom. And that, it didn't just happen all at once. I mean, as the Assyrians kept invading and invading and invading, they chopped that kingdom down and down and down, just like, uh, Israel, or just like Judah. It wasn't just like one big massive falling apart. It was over time. They just keep whittling it down, whittling it down to really it's just Jerusalem and the surrounding towns. That's it. But just kept whittling that giant kingdom that, that uh, David and Solomon built down to next to nothing. But it was because they had turned away. It was because the children of Israel had wandered away from God. See, we talk about, you know, the, 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 the mortgage crisis of 09, a pandemic of 20. We could talk about more the gas crunch of 04, uh, Brexit, um, and how that affected the stock market and all that stuff. It's not just us. This has happened and happened and happened and happened and happened and happened. Crisis has been going on forever. Noah and the ark, the exodus from Egypt, Ezra and Nehemiah and the return from Babylon, Daniel and the lion's den, Esther and, and standing tall against the, the sole superpower in the world by herself. Over and over again, people have had to, to deal and survive you know, it seems like there are so many problems over and over and over and over over again. Is God even, does, does he even care? It seems like God has abandoned us, just like verse 7 and 8 there. For a brief moment I abandoned you, and a surge of anger I hid my face from you. How do we stand against that? How do we hang out with that? How do we survive? You know, I hear that statement, I'm sure you guys have too. If God loved everybody... All this stuff wouldn't happen. If God really cared about us. Um, but you know what isn't God? It's sin. Or just poor choices on our part. Which is sin. Um, I feel abandoned by God, government, family. I, I just feel abandoned. We, we can't focus just on the problem. There's always going to be problems. If you focus on the problems, that's all you'll see. Sometimes you got to focus on the solutions, on just the next step. 
Romans 8.18, the sufferings of the present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall shall be revealed. There is there is a bright side coming. It's hard to see that sometimes. You know, so many people say, that, oh, yeah, there's a silver lining on there. Uh, uh, no, there really is. God's compassions are coming. He's walking along with us. And it seems like as I say that, I'm telling you, just suck it up, get over it. You can't do that to the pandemic. You couldn't do that to the mortgage crisis. Tough it out? No. I don't know. We need to look as believers, again, as I look at all of us here today. We need to look for those problems. We need to talk about people. We're not talk about people, talk to people, sorry. <clears throat> Talking about people gets you in trouble. Debbie and I um, got a collection of marriage books, and we bought some more as time went by. And this is one of our favorites. Tim and Joy Downs, one of us must be crazy, and I'm pretty sure it's you. That's the title of that book. As we go through this time, there are so many people who feel God's given up on them, abandoned by the government, abandoned by God, abandoned by family. We need to engage that person. Maybe, maybe you need to be engaged. Maybe you need to be called. Maybe you need someone to care. But I guarantee there's someone out there that you know that needs to hear from you. Because they're not going to find that love of God on their own. This is a little quote from them. Caring enough to engage. Initiative doesn't always require major projects or Herculean efforts. Sometimes all it requires is a simple willingness to engage. And it's got a little conversation here. She lets out a long sigh. (sighs) He hears her, but ignores her, and continues to read his paper. She, boy. He, are you okay? I'm fine. He returns to his paper. She, (sighs) another sigh. You sure you're okay? I guess so. (laughs) He returns to his paper with increased intensity. This is the beginning of one of the most common caring arguments. In this stage, three things have become obvious to both of them. One, something is bothering her. Two, he is aware of it to some extent. And three, he doesn't care enough to pursue it any further. He's about to learn two mathematical principles that underlie most caring conflicts. Awareness plus initiative equals caring. Awareness minus initiative equals conflict. See, we all know, we hear the sighs, we hear the, oh, golly gee willigers, no one loves me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat worms. We all hear those things out in the world. You know, I see them in the interviews on the news. I, I, I read about them on Facebook. But no one knows that we care. See, everybody feels like verse 7 and 8 there. For a brief moment, I abandoned you. In a surge of anger, I hid my face. And no one cares. It's terrible. Well, people do care. Who cares? Well, that's us. See, if we're going to get to the love of God, we got to be those hands and feet. Romans chapter 12, be the hands and feet of God. I knew I should have wrote that down. Anyway, be those hands and feet. 
We need to be that person because the world needs that. We may need that. We may need you to be that person, to reach out in some way. Well, what's going to happen? Well, that's that verse, again, 7 and 8 there, the second half of them. But with deep compassion, I will bring you back. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. How are you going to feel that sitting at home in the dark watching TV? Well, you won't. We got to call. Let somebody know that we love them, that we care about them, that someone loves them and cares about them. You're not just depending upon alcohol and poor judgment to solve your problems. That was a terrible plan. But again, that's why we talk about this stuff. That's why I share that testimony so you'll know you ain't alone if that was your big plan. Well, the next verse here, verse 9. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Like the days of Noah, why on earth is Isaiah wrapping up with this picture of Noah? Because Noah was faithful. And Noah was nuts. Noah got prepared. I mean, he didn't whip that ark out in a weekend. That took a long time to gather the wood, to gather the supplies. Everybody and their brother had to come alongside and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. A what? It doesn't even rain here. I'm building a boat. Why? God told me. Oh, that's a great answer. God told me. God, or Noah, God was faithful too, but Noah was faithful. <clears throat> he was building that ark. He was telling other people about it. And you know he was, because what did he need? He needed wooden pegs. He needed supplies. He needed hay for the animals. He needed uh, meat for some of the animals. He needed all kinds of supplies. He couldn't do all that himself. You know he went out in town and bought stuff. And they're asking, well, what do you need 10,000 wooden pegs for? What do you need hammers for? What do you need this for? I'm building an ark. <laughs> You're building a what? Over and over again, that had to happen. Over and over again, he caught so much grief. Over and over again, Noah was faithful. Matthew Henry had a neat thought. You know, should we look forward to future dangers, knowing God defies danger <clears throat> to favor his people? <clears throat> Looking forward to danger? I don't know if we ought to look forward to it, but rather prepare so that we can share the hope, resources, the gospel message. You know, I don't expect, just like y'all, I don't expect everybody to go out and, and be Billy Graham and, and to, tomorrow or today. That's not going to happen. Could you call one person? Could you reach out to one person? Could we write a note or a letter to somebody today? Sometimes it's tough to hang in there. Just like Noah, it's tough to hang in there. God was faithful, and we need to be faithful too. Noah was faithful, and it benefited him. Should Debbie and I have looked forward to the cost and nosiness of the adoption process? No. I don't want anybody to have to go through that. 
It was it's not a fun process. I had to explain to a couple of HR departments, yes, they need to know every detail about my income. <laughs> Most people would never share that, and I had to put all that on paper. But sometimes when we'll do those things, those unexpected things, there is greatness on the other side of that. There are blessings on the other side of it. There's a book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, taken from a couple of verses in the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel 23. There's a quote in here from Mark Twain. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. Mark Twain said that. No one's going to care in 20 years that we were safe and stayed home and watched another rerun of NCIS. People will care that you stayed safe, stayed home, and wrote them a letter, called them on the phone. Not just a text message that can be seen and gone, and not showing up on their door. That's why I'm not calling for a new visitation program because going door to door just sounds like asking for trouble right now. But can we not reach out in some way? Can we not be faithful like Noah? Because again, the love of God. Are we getting to the love of God? Oh, no. How do we do that? It, it takes time. You got to be faithful. Just like that adoption process, that took time. We had to be faithful. We had, to, we had to cast off the bow line, set sail, ride through the craziness that is the adoption process. But it was worth it. And it'll be worth it to follow God. Are you sure? You know, yeah, I am. Verse 10 here. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. <clears throat> my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. My covenant of peace, not yours, not yours or mine, because <clears throat> we cannot contribute to our own salvation. There's nothing I can add to it. I mean, I can make some amends, but I can't atone for my own sin. You know, really. If I sin once, well, I'm an unclean sacrifice, so I can't really sacrifice the unclean because two wrongs don't make a right, so you kind of messed up. The covenant of peace is built on Isaiah 53, the suffering servant of Jesus Christ. That's what all this is built on. That's the love of God. Not that we loved God, but that he saw what we were going through and said, I'm going to walk with my people. And I'm sure all the angels are like, you know, they, they don't like us. They don't like the prophets. They're not going to like you. And he's like, I got this. How's it going to go down? Well, let me tell you, Isaiah 53 and the suffering servant, and they're going to beat me and they're going to whip me and they're going to spit on me. And I'm sure someone said, that doesn't sound like a great plan, Jesus. 
So this is going to work out. Why? Because he was that sacrifice. He endured so much more. <clears throat> I've shared before, and I'll share, I'll share a thousand more times. One of my favorite movie interviews was with, uh, now I can't remember his name, Daniel Day-Lewis. Is that the guy who played Jesus in The Passion? Am I going to correct me there? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, Caviezel. Thank you. Thank you. Caviezel. Um, Daniel Day was way off. Anyways, um, but they, they talked about when they, during the filming of the Passion of, of Christ, when they were whipping him, they actually whipped him. The guy had a cat of nine tails and was beating him. They had a big metal plate on his back, and they'd practiced it a few times, and, and that actor playing a Roman soldier would, you know, really move, create a lot of motion so it looked like he was just beating him. And uh, Caviezel was talking about one time he, like, misstepped and went too far and said that cat of nine tails came around and poked him. And he let out a scream. And they knew, oh, we, got, we hurt Jim. Hold on just a second. But he said, that was just once. And they beat Jesus 39 times. With his stripes, we are healed. With all the craziness going on in the world, we are healed. He loves us. He walked through so much for us, and he'll continue to walk with us. But what are we relying on? When the, when the COVID hits, when the mortgage crisis hits, when the crazy hits the fan, where do you turn? And not really where do you turn? You're here. What about our neighbors? What about them people that ain't here? Do they feel the love of God? Or do they feel like, like back where we started, verse 6, uh, you're a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected. Do they feel like that? God has compassion on us. We need to share that compassion. All the more so right now because the one thing the world needs, more than an, an antidote, more than a vaccine for COVID is the love of God. They need that. We need that. I need to learn how to operate my phone. Here we go, right here. <clears throat> Has God had compassion on you? Yeah. God has had compassion on us. I've mentioned the adoption thing a couple times and And I could listen to that over and over and over again. I do every once in a while. That's Nathan laughing. See, God's compassion is real. He did walk with us during some just crazy times. During the, the oh my gosh, the, the stories we've got about the, the money we spent. Um, the, all the, all the, the steps we took in the adoption process, all the steps we took in the... In the uh, uh, fertilization process and everything else and, and, and infertility and, 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 and miscarriages and, and all that. What, what, how do you survive that? How do you get through that? It was tough. 
the, the year we had our second miscarriage, all our friends at seminary got pregnant. People who didn't want to get pregnant, who were on the pill and everything else, got pregnant. The year we, we talked about going into the foster care program, we were still here in Kansas City at the time, and there was just this rash. It wasn't like once or twice. There was a bunch of them, like more than a dozen. They hit the news a few times of women dropping off newborns at Burger King. So that would have been 08, 09, somewhere in there. I mean, that really? I, I, I didn't know that was part of the adoption process, to go hang out in the Burger King parking lot with a sign that says, we'll take your baby. But that's where we were at. That's a low point. Again, when, when we talk about this, having compassion, being the love of God, that's where we were at. We were waiting on a, we were almost dependent upon a sign in the Burger King parking lot, alcohol and poor judgment. That's a terrible place to be. And we were believers. Still are believers. Shouldn't say were, still are. The world doesn't even have that to fall back on. They need that love of God. They need that little boy's laugh. What do you need today? To make that kind of connection. To hear that compassion. To get to that that verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be, be removed. God loves us so much. He is right there. And the world today needs that so much, and they are so lost. And you just got to watch the news a handful of times, like, oh, them boys are crazy. And they're the intelligent, educated people. And you listen to reports out of Washington. Really? That's the best you guys came up with? They need, the world needs right now, more than anything else, the love of God. They need us to be faithful. Again, that big idea, as we go forth from here, as I get ready to wrap up, <clears throat> to be faithful. Be faithful to God. Connect with God. And if you don't know how, prayer is the first step. And if you're not sure about that, you need to listen to last week's sermon because Brother Seth did a wonderful job. Listen to that stuff. Learn more how to connect with God. If you don't know how to connect with God, and this is a terrible reference from the Bon Jovi album, Young Guns 2, Side B, because that's how old I am. I remember the albums. There's a song on there called Bang a, Drum and a, Bang a Drum, and a guy goes up to a preacher and says, I don't know how to pray. And the preacher looks at him and says, you say what you want to God, and I will say amen. Reach out to God in some way. Father, I don't know how to fix the pandemic. I don't know how to do anything. But Matt said I need to reach out to, 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 to somebody. Uh, what do I do? Who do I reach out to? God will bring somebody to your mind. Somebody will call you and you can share with them. Someone's so stressed out that they think you are a great resource. And you may not feel like a great resource. You may not have a great resource in your head, in your hand. God will speak through you in that moment. God has given me words. I've said stuff to people. I'm like, my gosh, that was, I'm glad I was here for that. I should write that down. I, that should have been recorded. That was awesome stuff because that wasn't me. <laughs> that was God. That was the Holy Spirit speaking through us. 
When we give him space, he will be faithful. The mountains won't shake him. Hills will be removed. His unfailing love will be there. And we can help other people. We can, they can feel that love of God. They won't be dependent upon alcohol, poor judgment, and bad signs at Burger King's. Isn't that a crazy thing to be dependent upon? It's got to be God. So the first step is to pray. If you don't know, again, say what you need to say and say amen. God will work with you. He'll meet you. If you want to get deeper on prayer, last week's sermon was wonderful. Got to hear all about the Greek and everything else. The second step, if you don't know what to do, <clears throat> reach out to Pastor Brian, reach out to your deacon. And if you're a deacon and you ain't called your people this week, and one of them, um, call your people this week. Check in on them. Even if they ain't your people, call them anyway. Call them. Tell somebody that you love them. They need that so much. There are people that come by the bank. I've had very long conversations through the drive-thru speakers with people because they just need somebody to talk to. And that's a terrible thing to have to try to have a conversation with them drive-thru speakers. But that's, what, that's all we had at the time, and that's what they needed. But how much better we can be. If you're not a believer, <clears throat> and I know most of you here, but if you're not, and you need that connection, you need that love of God, this is how you get it. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You, me, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and Adolf Hitler, all in the same boat. We've all screwed up. We've all made boo-boos, mistakes, whoops-a-daisies, whatever you want to say. We've all done it. Everybody's distance themselves from God. As the band gets ready to come up, the next step in as Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin, the wages of the COVID, the mortgage crisis, the wages of looking up pornography, gambling addiction, uh, whatever you want to throw in there, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, how on earth do I get there? Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It was never meant to be a difficult program. It was never meant to, never meant to be a lot of hoops to jump through because we can't figure that out now. They, and not to be too dispensational or anything. Time of Moses or time of Noah, just get on the boat. We'll figure it out later. Didn't make it happen. When Noah gets or when Noah, when Moses gets ready to leave Egypt, let's go. And I'm sure some people stayed behind. And when Jesus comes, he said, just believe, I will take care of you. Here we are, still working on it. That's all it is. Because it's not about me. Verse 10 again, Isaiah 54. My covenant of peace, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. We can't remove God's covenant. It's about what he has done in him and your life. He ministers. It's not about you. I can't fix anything. I can't, I can't get to heaven 
sneak in and write my name in the book of life. Once I've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, then my name is there and I cannot remove it. Because again, I can't break into heaven. There's no roadmap to get there. Uber won't get you there and sneak in and erase my name from the book of life. Jesus is there. And so there are sin that separates us. There is a path that Jesus created, the free gift. How do you get that? Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And you can have that love of God in your life. And you can share it with as many people as you want. He won't be offended. Let us pray and I'll be done. And we'll let the band come on up. <clears throat> Father God, we come before you today. And there is just a lot of uncertainty, craziness, however you want to label it, Father. It's out there in the world today. There's a lot of people looking for solutions and answers, and, 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 and they just don't know where to find it, Father. Father, we ask that you help us be faithful to you. We ask that you be faithful to us. Pour out your spirit anew on us that we, may, that we may find somebody to call, that we may find somebody to share with us. Someone may call us and that we can share about the love of Christ with them, that we can share about silly giggles from a little two-year-old boy because we survived the adoption process. We survived the 09 mortgage crowd. We survived something else, and we can survive this too because of your love. Not because of what we've done, but because of your love. Father, help us to share that with the lost and dying world. And in Jesus' name I pray, and amen.